All right, folks, welcome. We got a jam-packed show tonight. Main topic of conversation is going to be uh, with my guest, Ian, who's going to talk about a procedure that, if this if this works, could have vast ramifications in an extremely positive way for the process of manufacturing e-liquid. Uh, Ian says he has a plan to teach people how to clean the diacetyl out of well, he'll explain the whole thing, but basically the, the long and the short of it is if you use this process, you're going to be able to have the same buttery buttery flavor, or, you know, whatever you're going for by using a flavoring that contains diacetyl. You're going to be able to maintain the flavor without having the end product of having the diacetyl in the final product. So, you know, a lot of people, a lot of manufacturers are wrestling with this. So if it works, that would be amazing. And supposedly it's not even that expensive. Um, I'm going to talk about a few other things, you know, the, the whole twisted rip thing. Um, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit because, well, everybody likes drama and I'll try to make it funny. Um, speaking of, uh, speaking of sponsorships and stuff, I got a big one. Oh boy. I'm talking big time here. I'm talking fortune 500 company. It's now a sponsor for the show. I'll read an ad later. And there's some New York activism we got to talk about. And, um, you know, before we do all that, let me just torture you for a second here. I was thinking about the semicolon the other day because I uh, I used one. I used the semicolon. It happened to be in a text message. Now, if you're looking at your, if you're if you're at your computer right now and you look at your keyboard you probably already know exactly where that semicolon is because if you touch type, it's right underneath your right pinky finger at all times. Now, I was sending a text message, so when I was using my iPhone and I was texting and, and it came time to use the semicolon, well, it wasn't there. And there's a good reason for that because you, you never use one. So Apple and Android, they're not stupid. They're like, well, nobody uses this fucking thing. We'll put it on the other page. So the one time I had to use a semicolon, I had to go flip back to another page to use it. And I started, and I was looking at my computer keyboard. And I'm looking, I'm like, what a, oh, sorry about that. I'm looking at my computer keyboard. I said, what, what who, whose fucking idea was it to put a semicolon underneath your pinky when it's probably the, I mean, you use any key on the keyboard more than the semicolon. All right, maybe that weird little tilde thing with the fucking accent mark in the top left. All right, you probably probably don't use that much either. But as far as anything else goes on the keyboard, I mean, nobody uses the semicolon anymore. Well, actually, that's not entirely true. I, I did look up some statistics on semicolon usage, and there has been, believe it or not, there has been, despite the fact that people are getting dumber by the day, there has been an increase in semicolon usage over the past 10 years. However, it is due to using the semicolon in the winking emoticon. So people will type the semicolon and then the close parentheses, and now you have yourself a winking smiley face. But in terms of using it in terms of writing, no. I mean, it's, um, it's not used anymore. And you know what? I like the semicolon. It is, it is a useful piece of punctuation. Now, 
here, here's the thing. If you use the semicolon right, it's kind of like a like a comma with, with sustain and a touch of vibrato, right? It 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 gives the reader the indication that yes, there's gonna be a pause, but something significant might happen here next. Something just hold your breath just for a moment. You can also use it in lists and things like that, but its main role is to indicate a separation between two parts of a sentence that's stronger than a comma, but less strong than dividing the sentences, the sentence into two sentences with a period. It's, it's very useful. Here's a great example. Here is a, a simple, great example. And I'll even, I'll put it in the chat here too, so that you guys can just see what I'm talking about here. So when you look at that right there, how does that read? I'm going to read that out loud to you. She looked at me. I was lost for words. Now imagine if that was two separate sentences. It would read completely differently. It would read like this. She looked at me. I was lost for words. It's totally different. It's everything's the same, except instead of, you know, a period, you got that little dangly squiggly thing underneath and instead of two spaces you have one but it changes everything she looked at me you, you, you do hear how that part of the sentence it ends on an upward swing you're like there's an expectation the reader has to hold their breath only you know for, for a second what's going to happen i was at a, it's clearly better than breaking it into two sentences and far superior than using a comma that would be completely inappropriate so I, I like semicolons. Here's the problem. Everything I just said about that very simple sentence that very properly uses a semicolon is in order for it to be effective, you have to you, you, you have to be under the assumption that the reader knows how to read it, knows how to actually insert that pause, knows how to actually elevate the end of that sentence. And that would be a poor assumption. Nobody uses semicolons anymore. Except in fucking winking emoticons. For all intents and purposes, that piece of punctuation is, is dead. Nobody uses it. And, you know, and for good reason. You shouldn't use it. Because no, you know, the people these days, they don't know how to read it. I don't even know if they teach that in school anymore. I mean, look at it this way. I, I think uh, Vonnegut probably said it best. Vonnegut said, do not use semicolons. They are transvestite hermaphrodites representing absolutely nothing. All they do is show that you've been to college. And he's probably right. It's sad. One thing I don't like about it is the, the semicolon. Like, look back at look at that back at that sentence. She looked at me. I was at a loss for. Look at that thing. It's ugly. The semicolon is ugly. It looks like a. It looks like a turd that just dropped out of a butthole. It is not. It is not. I mean, I think I think today if you use the semicolon, most people who don't know even what the fuck it is. They're going to look at it, they're going to be like, oh, I got a little piece of shit on my screen over there. What the fuck is that? So sad. I mean, there is some poetry and literature out there 
where when an author is using it, it can just impart this this lovely rhythm and cadence into a piece of writing that you can't really do any other way. You, there's there, there's timing. A comma has so much timing. A semicolon has a little bit more. A comma is probably equal to a semicolon, but you know, you, a, a colon is about equal in timing to a semicolon. But you got you know, you're just going to list some shit after that, so you can't use that. And a period is a full stop. So I was sad, sitting here thinking about my all but discarded semicolon, but then I got mad. I got mad because this thing, I like I said before, I needed to use one, and I had to flip back on my fucking thing on my, on my iPhone because I don't even put it there, which is smart. But then I'm looking at my keyboard. I'm like, why is it there? Whose idea was it to take the least used punctuation? Maybe even at the time when they were making the, the you know keyboards for the first time, people weren't really using them all that much. I mean, underneath the 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 pinky that's always resting on that key. You could have put anything there. Would have been a hundred. Put a put a commonly used consonant, or or a vowel. Even better, right? These days, I don't know. Period. C O M. Carriage return. That would be that would be handy, right? I mean, anything. Anything would be better. In that position. So why is it there? Why is this? So I. I I knew a little bit about this and I did some research into keyboards. Now, this is a very, it, it's a, it, it, believe it or not, this is a, you know, like if, if you were telling people that people are, are fight over vaping over, over the littlest fucking things over this reviewer said this and you know, this, you know, this guy says mechanical mods, whatever, you know, people would look at you like you're crazy. This is, this is kind of one of those things with the keyboards and there is so much drama in the history of the keyboard layout that a lot of the facts have just been kind of like pushed away and it's hard to get at the real history i did my best now here is here's i believe why we have the the keyboard layout that we have now the qwerty keyboard key you know the, the, the top row there so you know, back in the day, keyboards were mechanical devices. You you would push down a key and it would actually make a lever come up and strike a piece of paper and imprint something on a you know whatever you whatever you're typing on a piece of paper. It was you know it's kind of like a piano. So the the problem was was that the the original keyboards they were uh, they weren't perfected yet. They were they would jam a lot, right? So to the best of my knowledge, there were a few different keyboard layouts in the beginning. One of them simply being, they just laid out the keys from A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z, just in, just in their normal alphabetical order and, you know, put it on the keyboard and there you go. Other companies tried some different things. Now, this is where it gets a little bit hazy, but it does make some sense. If you look at the keyboard, if you look at our keyboard, um, it, 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 it is likely that we have this QWERTY keyboard layout because it was implemented to make people type slower. Because those original typewriters, they were jamming. People were typing too fast. So now all of a sudden, if you had something that's jamming when you type too fast, well, shit, make sure they always got to make their pinky finger on their right hand dance all over the place to do anything because it's, you know, when it's just sitting there and has something to do all the time, that's no good. It, things are jamming up. 
You look at the rest of the keyboard, I mean, the, the most commonly used consonants and vowels, the only vowel you can find that you're, you're always sitting on is the A underneath your left pinky. You got to go up to get to the E. The I, O, U are, all, are, are up there too. The T, T's common, R and T, you got to go up to get those. N and M, use those all the time. You got to go down. It's even harder to go down than up. So this, this fucking thing, this, this keyboard, it, it, it sucks. It's terrible. We could be t if only someone came up with a keyboard that's designed not to slow you down, but to speed you up as much as possible, make you go as fast as you can. Well, it was done. It was done over a hundred years ago, uh, um, around a hundred years ago. This is called the Dvorak keyboard. Now, if you look at the layout of the Dvorak keyboard, I mean, you don't even have to know anything about this shit. Just, I mean, just look at it and you can tell instantly that it makes a hundred, it makes a thousand percent more sense. There it is. There's a picture of it. Look at it. On the left-hand side, you got the vowels there. You got all the vowels right, right in, in constant contact with your left hand. And you have the most commonly used consonant, consonants right there, ready to go with your right hand. So the way the keyboard is designed is that you got the most commonly used letters that you're going to be using already right under your fingertips. And you're going to be alternating between your left and your right hand, almost in like a rhythmic, in a rhythmic fashion, because you're going to go left and right and left and right and left and right. So the idea of this keyboard was for faster typing, reduced errors, less stress on the hands. Um, and just by looking at it and, oh, and where did he put the semicolon? Surprise, surprise, in the least, in the least accessible part of the entire fucking keyboard, all the way down on the lowest part, lowest left-hand part. So you got to go, you got to jump with your, with your left pinky down. Um, this keyboard is designed for right-handed typists uh, because you're going to be using the right hand more than the left because you put all the, the consonants there. So it's a whole thing with this Dvorak keyboard. It's a great idea. And the resistance he got was massive. People didn't want to change. People hate changing. And to be fair, under testing, taking a typist, you know, someone who types for a living, and retraining them on Dvorak was difficult. It took a lot of time. And it didn't help that he fudged some of the data because he was trying to sell this fucking thing, you know? But there was, there's really very little question that over time, you know, if you're t taking new people and teaching them how to type, this is the way to go. Yet, never, never, never caught on. I think a lot of it had to do with him, Mr. Dvorak and his personality. I think it was kind of the typical situation of an engineer trying to sell a product, which should never happen. So nobody uses, I mean, there are people that use the Dvorak keyboard these days, and it's easier than ever. I mean, if you go into Windows or, or OS X or whatever, you can, remap your, re, you can remap your keyboard for Dvorak right now if you wanted to. Of course, that would be very silly because you're going to take a long time to get used to it. It's, it's one of those things, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the metric system, right? Now, everybody in the world uses the metric system except Americans and like two other like tiny countries or something like that. But I can imagine the resistance was similar. It's going to suck for you. You're used to using this shit. You're used to using all these weird measurements and stuff that aren't particularly handy for making calculations and measurements. But everybody knows going down the line, it's going to be so much easier for everybody. But this is America. <laughs> so, so America said, fuck your kilometers, liters, and grams. I'm just fine with my quartz and my hogshead 
and my miles per motherfucking hour. So we still have, you know, you tell me how many tablespoons are in a quarter cup or whatever. So I didn't actually have a point, but I will say that I absolutely love cheeseburgers. Welcome to ClickBang, everybody. Yes, I'm going down. Yeah. I'm going down, 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 down. A-E-I-O-U and sometimes Y. And if you're an asshole, W. Yes, I got my big feet in the window. Got my head on the ground. All right. Let's get started. You can go ahead and call in now, Ian. Yeah, let's jump right into it. So like I said, this whole, it never ceases to amaze me. Usually topics in the vaping community have an attention span of 72 hours, you know, and then everything goes away. If it's a really hot thing, maybe a week. Um, this whole diacetyl thing, it's, it's, some people definitely don't give a shit. Don't get me wrong. Uh, probably most people don't give a shit, but, um, I, I posted an article cause every now and then you're, you're starting to see in, in mainstream media, they're, they're bringing this up again. They're bringing up the issue and they're obviously sensationalizing the health, possible health ramifications, although the way they put it doesn't seem so like it's possible. It seem, seems like it's a certainty. But anyway, there is a new story, and I expect more and more of these to come out because, you know, people click those links. And it got like, let's take a look. I mean, I posted a week ago. I couldn't, I couldn't believe how much attention it got. I posted it on in a few places, but I posted it on, on the CASA web, uh, on the CASA Facebook page. How many... It doesn't even tell me. I don't even know how many comments it is. I think it's like six or seven hundred. I mean, it's it's a massive amount of comments. It was it's at least and uh, you know people want to talk about this. This is this is important. So, um, shortly after I posted that, um, I was contacted by a gentleman. His name's Ian. I'll bring him on in just a second. Now, Ian has some interesting ideas about how. You see, a lot, a lot of people have, have attacked this problem in, in different ways. Some companies um, have just stopped, you know, the, the, the diacetyl, it's used a lot for the buttery type flavors. A lot of companies just, we're not making those anymore. Okay, so some companies did that. Some companies went through some major, major R&D time, money to reformulate using butric acid or other things. Some people are open source about this stuff. Some people are secretive. I don't, I don't blame you whichever way you choose to go, but um, took a lot of time, a lot of money to reformulate things. Sometimes the flavor wasn't quite there anymore after that. And they had a retweak and people are spending hours, thousands and thousands of 
man hours, you know, to, to solve this problem. So this fellow Ian comes along and he's like, hey, I can solve this problem pretty easily, actually. Now, this is not something that you, that is going to be for like, you know, an end user where you got a bottle of something and, you know, you smell it. You can smell the fucking shit. And it, it, you're not going to just take it and, and wipe the diacetyl out of that. No, it's meant to be further up the process so that e-liquid manufacturers can get the same flavor profiles that they were accustomed to when they were using flavors that later turned out had diacetyl or acetylpropanol in it, which is, you know, no good. A lot of people don't want that. So they can still kind of use that stuff, those same flavors, but the diacetyl can somehow be flushed out of it so that the end product only has trace amounts. Interesting, right? If it works. Let me bring on Ian over here. Ian, can you hear me, sir? Yes, I can. It's nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you, too. Hold on. I just got to spin some knobs so you sound a little louder. Can I get another check, please? Check, check. That's great. Okay. Hey, thanks Thanks for contacting me. Welcome to the show. Before we get started, uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Ian Wright. I've been mixing for quite a little while. Um, got a nice little local fan base going on. Um, I never really studied chemistry in college or anything like that. I mainly went and did computer information technology, but I really took an interest into chemistry once I started going and mixing my own juice. And from that point, it just sort of took off. It hit a point where I'd stay up till four or five in the morning Mm -hmm. having to work at six and just going and doing research. So it, it's been quite a ride. <laughs> when did you first dive into this? And uh, so you've been making, ju you've been making liquid for a while. And at a certain point you were, you were made aware that there may be health issues with inhaling e-liquid that has, you know, a significant amount of diacetyl in it. So so you were, did, when, how did you become aware of the problem? I became aware of the problem when, actually prior to starting mixing. I became aware of the problem and I saw a, sort of saw some people saying, oh, it's not a problem. Other people saying, it's a huge problem. For me... I'd say it's somewhere in the middle of all that. It's a problem. We should reduce it as much as we possibly can. That's reasonable. But yeah, I, I, I believe it is reasonable to have small, small trace amounts. Um, but I originally came into the entire thing optimistically it's not really going to do all that much and it ended up going and having mm, i ended up having some issues with math to begin with so okay <laughs> it necessarily didn't translate so well to me in the beginning but after a time it sunk in and that's when I decided I need to look into this more. Okay, so 
at first were, were you were you looking at this as just like all right well how do i choose flavorings that don't have this so it doesn't end up in my juice or well no i want those flavorings so how do i get this this stuff out of it how, what was your thought process uh my thought process was flavor first and i mean that's where it still is for me it's flavor first for me um if i'm going to be inhaling diacetyl and acetylpropanol then i'm going to be inhaling it because i want that flavor i'm not going to be going doing this all the time or anything like that but I'm still going to want that flavor. And that's what really stemmed my research. So what'd you come up with? Okay, so the first thing that we really have to do is realize why diacetyl is in our, our is in acetoin in general. And no, not acetone, acetoin. Acetoin is a ingredient that gives a buttery style um, flavor, and it's generally richer than acetylpropanol, which is typically more inducive of, or it, it's typically more for creams. Mm-hmm. Um, so. How acetoin is made is you start with diacetyl, and you go and react it with zinc and acid. And from there, you have diacetyl impurities and acetoin, because you can't necessarily react these two together and not typically expect that everything is going to be reacted. Okay. Not everything is going to react with the catalyst and the combining agent. So we do end up with diacetyl impurities. And one thing that we have to go and consider with this entire process is that acetoin has a boiling point near 130 degrees Celsius. Diacetyl, on the other hand, has a boiling point of around 50 degrees Celsius. So that brought one thing to my attention is that it can be distilled. Distillation is a method in which you go and boil a biomass or two chemicals to either extract a more pure version of those chemicals or um, extract everything out except for the impurities. It's basically the same thing as distilled water, same process. But in this process, we're doing that backwards. So another thing that came to my attention is these are really, really, really small impurities that we are dealing with within actual e-liquid. So you have to go and actually move up the chain. What do you mean by up the chain? chain? Um, When I mean up the chain, 
like it's you have flavoring companies that are going and compounding these flavors, but then you have the flavoring companies that are selling these flavors to them and are actually producing these. They are producing these from the actual chemicals that are giving that flavor. So the main thing that you have to realize is that you actually have to extract from those main chemicals because that will have the largest impurity of all, which according to uh, the Flavor Apprentice, when I talked to Linda about it, it's basically anywhere from 7% diacetyl impurity to 100% free. So we have a pretty large range of margin there to extract from. But another problem is that all these flavor carriers impede that, propylene glycol being one, because it acts as a, uh, what's the word for it? It basically coats the molecule and keeps it insulated from heat, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it goes and changes it's so that the diacetyl no longer has that typical boiling point. And you're not going to be able to easily extract these without burning the initial chemicals. Okay. So you actually have to trace it all the way back to actual acetoin crystals, which, I mean, they can be bought from places like Sigmund and Rich, uh, China, which... You might want to get those tested. <laughs> well, here's, but, here's my question. to Just for, I mean, e-liquid manufacturers probably know the answer to this question, but for the rest of the audience, where exactly in the chain is that? Like, okay, so let's say you're a that average... That is... What's that? Uh, let's say that, you you know, let's put it in the perspective of it's a, an average, you know, small to medium-sized e-liquid company. They're buying some flavors... Uh, they're buying nicotine, they're buying, you know, whatever else that PGVG mix everything together to make a product. So are they, mm-hmm. are they currently, it, it sounds like what you're telling to me is you've got to take the pure acetoin and then you're going to wash out the diacetyl, which I'm, I'm sure you'll explain in a second. Uh, are, are these small to medium sized companies, are they actually buying pure acetone right now or they're already buying things that are compounded or uh, where would, no, what would, typically Typically, the average company is not going and doing anything like that. They're just buying flavorings, and either they're getting them tested or they're not. And they either come back with diacetyl content or they don't. So, oh, sorry. (laughs) They have to move further up in the chain of the actual flavoring uh, supply line. So... You have the flavorings, and then you have the companies that design and make the flavorings, and then you have the companies that supply the chemicals to the flavoring companies. We're going all the way back to the companies that supply the actual flavoring companies. So the flavoring companies, then, 
the the ones that are, I guess you can call them the the compounders, the the companies that are mm-hmm. actually the companies that are actually taking these different flavors and selling them to an e-liquid manufacturing process. They are or they are not buying acetone to make their flavors. These companies, well, it depends which which. Uh area of the system you're looking at because if you look at like the flavor apprentice or capella they buy all of their flavorings from a company like i know tfa gets theirs from vigan vigan would be buying these chemicals from various other sources so we're going all the way back to even further back than the company that is going and creating the flavors, which is Vigan. Or if it was, like, say, Flavor Art. Flavor Art makes their own flavors, but they sell to consumers, whereas Vigan doesn't. Vigan is such a large international company that it doesn't, supply to anyone that's not willing to buy mm, 55 gallon drums of flavoring every day so it's one of those things where it's kind of iffy right so um so let me ask you this ian so since the market as it stands as you've described it there's different companies acquiring pot product at different parts of the chain you're you're going to be suggesting this process which we'll talk about in a second um it, it kind of seems to me and this is the wonderful thing about a about the way a free market functions is that if this does work what you're about to explain that uh, kind of it would kind of open up i would think a new opportunity in the market where somebody could just be in the business of, unless these, unless the, and I highly doubt this, unless the people all the way up the chain, they want to do this themselves. I don't think they want to because, you know, the, the, no, the, it, the, it would not be profitable. Right. It wouldn't. And, and let me just explain why real quick and correct me if I'm wrong, but these people who are all the way up the chain, like they're making these flavors for food. That's what they're for. And they don't care mm-hmm. about uh diacetyl because when you eat it, it's not, it's you know nobody's saying that eating diacetyl is bad for you it is it is generally regarded as safe to eat flavors that have diacetyl and you often do um inhaling it is another story so but the problem is they're, they're making this stuff and you know probably less than one percent of it ends up in a vapor product the other 99 percent ends up in food and i might even be being generous there so they're not going to touch it but maybe there is an opportunity for somebody, and it could be an existing flavoring company, it could be just somebody saying, hey, I'm going to do this or, or whatever, to buy bulk acetone, run it through the process like this, and then have this product, which is now enables you to use a buttery flavor, and it's instead of going to be having um, potentially harmful amounts of diacetyl that'll end up in the end e-liquid product, it'll have merely trace amounts. Is that fairly accurate, what I've said? Yes, that is fairly accurate. Um, the main reason why it's not, why these other companies haven't done such necessarily is because they have to work with such large bulk amounts 
and this is more of a small process procedure in order to get it right. Like, you know how if you go and have something that's much smaller, more intricate, it's going to work better than something that's developed for the industry that is big, bulky, and just generally meant to work within a specification. Well, I understand that, but, I mean, that to me sounds a little bit problematic because for, I mean, this is a, you know, if the, if this works, I mean, people are going to be interested. And, in, I mean, if, if, if it can only add a small amount to your manufacturing process to nearly all but, you know, all but eliminate this chemical that everybody's talking about, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that are interested to be like, well, if I don't have to do that much, I just got to pay, you know, just a, a little bit of money to get this, then, well, why wouldn't everybody want that? You can get the same flavor, and it doesn't have this thing that everybody's talking about. So, you know, pretty much everybody would want this, I would think. Anyone who cares, at least, would want it. But now you're saying that it's difficult to do this on a large scale. That's a problem. Well, I'm saying a large scale as in their large scale. Our large scale is completely different than theirs. Well, who are you referring to? Who, who, who are you referring to? Who, who is ours and who is theirs? Who are you referring to? Okay, I, I'm talking to companies that would be higher up the chain than, say, vegan flavor art, the ones that are actually supplying the chemicals. It, their large quantity is like, like. Eh, they're, they're probably supplying at least a metric ton every day or more. So their large quantity is not the same as our large quantity. And they're making more money on just producing it the way that they are currently, whereas no one else can really do it. So okay. whereas it's unfeasible and well I could say it's feasible but it's just not as profitable as their current experience so let's if if we could just for a moment let's try to put this in perspective so people could understand it okay now let's say there is an e-liquid you know there's a manufacturer they have an e-liquid and um, it, it it's has Levels of diacetyl, which is unacceptable to them, their customers, whatever. They, they want to get rid of it, right? So, but they but they want to keep the taste the same. They've tried to change it. It didn't work out. Customers complained. These things have happened. So let's put it in perspective here. Let's, let's use a quantity that everybody can picture very easily. One liter. One liter of pure acetone. Let's say you were to clean it. Um, and now be able to take that one liter of cleaned acetone and then use it um, to, to make your flavors. You know, how much does that one liter of pure acetone translate into final product? You're going to, how many bottles of liquid? I mean, you're going to have to use all, you know, obviously you're still using PG, VG, nicotine, the, uh, you know, other flavorings. You're going to be using all sorts of stuff. But assuming, you know, it's a reason, they were using a reasonable amount that yielded an unreasonable amount of diacetyl in their, in their mind. So that one liter of acetone, how much does that translate into final product? What, what's, what, what, what's, what, what are you going to get from that? 
Well, let's say that you're using, uh, I'd say a custard flavor has anywhere from three to mm, around 10%. So let's say worst case scenario, 10%. So for every 10 milliliters that you're going and adding, you would essentially be creating 100 milliliters of flavoring at 10%, okay. which is pretty dang good. Um, do, do, the math, so, do, the, do the math for me. So that, that one liter of acetone, okay. how, many, oh. how, how many milliliters of liquid is, is that going to provide you to, to make? 100. 100 liters. Ian? Yep. 100 liters, yes? Yes, 100 liters. Okay. All right, that, that definitely puts it in perspective. All right, so listen, it's not, um, you're not here to speculate on how the market, assuming this process works, you're not here to speculate how the market will react and either use or not use this or wear in the chain, um, but the at least people understand what the perspective is assuming this works. I, I, I hope from that, it, you know, if you have anything to add to that, that's that's fine, but you're, you know, that's up to you. I mean, that's that's perfectly what I have to explain. You got it down to the nail. <laughs> so so here, here so here's what, before you explain what this process is and get all sciencey and stuff, um, you're, as, as you have explained it to me, what you want to do with this, you said, all right, Russ, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, I've been researching this for a while. I got a friend who's a chemical engineer. I got another friend who's some kind of other chemist, and I'm going to go and I'm going to buy the equipment so I can start testing this. Now, you told me the equipment is like five or six hundred bucks, you know, not not as much as I thought it was going to be. And it's going to take you some time and yeah. it's going to take you some some patience and some and, and then you're going to go and you're going to do experiments. You're going to take pure acetone. You're going to clean it out. You're going to test it. You're going to do all this stuff. So it's going to take time, um, money, not that much money, but it'll take some money. And then you want to make videos to show people what this process is or, or, or however you're going to disseminate the information, whether it be white papers, videos, whatever. Um, so, you know, I'm waiting for you to tell me, you know, what's the part where you get paid, which I, I, I think you should. But it, it, that's not really your you just want the information out there. Am, am I right? Yeah, I, I really honestly don't want to get paid for it. I did this research for vapors. This isn't just about going and making money, making a profit. This is about keeping us all off the cigarettes. This is about making sure they're safer than cigarettes. This is about making sure that our product isn't going to end up harming people later on down the line. I would rather that someone goes and uses my method and can make better flavors than I do and have them be safe than them make better flavors than I do and 
everyone moves to him, even though he's running an unsafe product. Okay. I mean, that makes sense to me, and that's very nice of you. Now, here, here's what I'm going to suggest. You have this plan to go and buy this equipment, you know, acquire pure acetone. You got a couple of, you know, friends, like, I guess they get that got PhDs or whatever. They're going to help you with it. That That's great. And that will cost you some money and a lot of time. And then you make the videos or whatever, write up the papers. Okay, that's fine. Now, here's what I'm going to suggest. And this is, I guess, to the e-liquid manufacturers out there who might be listening right now. You can certainly wait for Ian to do this and look at his results. Um, perhaps it would be, and this is not Ian's idea, this is my idea, um, perhaps it would be beneficial to you as a company or you as a group of companies or maybe you as an organization that represents several companies, whatever the case may be, to talk to Ian and say, Let's, let us help you. You know, 600 bucks to you is a lot more than 600 bucks to a company or, or to several companies. That's like, it's frankly nothing. So maybe somebody out there is interested in this. Maybe there's a company out there that's having problems getting diacetyl out of their certain flavors. Maybe you should call Ian. Maybe you should have a conversation with him. Maybe you should get the equipment. Maybe you should set them up in a space that you've already got. Where are you in, Michigan? Yep, okay. Grand Haven, Michigan. So maybe there's a company <laughs> somewhere around there. Say, hey, come on over. We'll get the we'll get the gear for you. We'll help you. We got smart guys too, and we'll accelerate this process. And maybe they could even take advantage of it first. Who, who knows? Whatever it is, um, it, it's great that you want to do this for free, and you want to do that, do that. But um, profit makes things better. Profit makes things good. And if somebody could profit from this I, you know i think ultimately everybody will if it works but if somebody could profit from this um to make this go faster and make it work out better and make it you know why not so i'm just putting that out there you e-liquid manufacturer maybe in the michigan area listening maybe you get a hold of ian and i'll, I'll put his contact information in the in the chat and the replay notes in a second hey listen we um let me just take a call here we got a call we got two calls and right, let me take this one first um, and if you do, if you got a call, if you got a question or a comment for Ian, the number is 347-308-8329. Just push one when you hear the British lady talking. Call her in the 646 area code. You're on the air. Hello? Hi. Hello? Hi. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you. Welcome to ClickBank. Oh, okay. Thanks. Um, thanks for taking the call. Sure. I have a question for Ian. Um, while he's searching for a solution, or while, while, while they're coming up with a solution, can you identify what flavors or what range of flavors do not contain this chemical? And are you aware of other harmful chemicals or, or chemicals that are harmful when heated that are in other flavors? I, I would like to know what range of flavors are safe, completely safe, or, or safer, as safe as we can determine. Well, I can definitely say that in relative safeness to what we do in the industry, that eh, there, there are several flavors that are being looked at, one of them being cinnamon aldehyde. It's known to be a, an irritant and 
honestly, we're not sure if it could cause lung damage, if it's just an irritant, or what's going on there. But from what we can kind of see is that there's the possibility. Um, Maybe let me let me let me uh, try to um, answer that question. Although not really from from work that others have done for the, for the caller, uh, there was a study done, mm -hmm. there was a study done um, last year or published last year by a, a doctor. His name is Doctor Constantinos Farsalinos. He's a medical doctor in, in Greece, and he's he's done quite a bit of research on e-cigarettes. Now he did a study where he took a, a bunch, hundreds of e-liquids, many of them marked diacetyl-free um, and tested them. Now, he found that diacetyl was present in levels above... Uh, there, was a, there was an organization called uh, NIOSH that looks at diacetyl and they, you know, they, they, don't think it's, they don't think it's good. So I think he used their level to say, you know, to, to, to set, the, to set the, the, the line of, you know, what's over and what's under. And out of those, I think, 270-something liquids that he tested... Diacetyl appeared in an amount that wasn't acceptable um, in 73% of the liquids tested. Wow. Uh, which was uh, shocking to everybody. Um, you know, after, wow. his, after, his work, after his work was published, people really started to take notice and wanted to fix it. Now, the interesting thing, caller, that Dr. Farsalinos found was, you know, a lot, the, the diacetyl, it, it, it is associated a lot with the buttery type flavorings, you know, the caramels, the, 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 you know, the buttery, buttery tasting stuff, but it was not localized to that. So your question is a good one, but it can't be answered because he found diacetyl has been oh, found. Wow. Now, generally, you know, most of the time you buy a grape flavor and the grape flavor is usually not going to have it, but sometimes it does. It's not, it, you can't, you can't go on and say, well, if I just go and buy grape and cherry, I'll be okay. Cause those aren't buttery. Sometimes they'll be okay, but from another from another manufacturer or another brand, it won't be. So unfortunately, you, you can't use that criteria to choose your flavors. Yeah, and I'm concerned because I like the coffee, cappuccino, nut, tobacco type flavors, and I'm you know there's a hint of that you know buttery in there, and I mix them, and I'm concerned about this now. I've never heard of this until your show. Yeah. Well. well I can say that if you can message me over Facebook, I can look into it a lot more than I can just sitting right here. And, and here, and, okay, thanks a lot. And one more thing before you go, caller. And, one more thing before you go, caller. Mm -hmm. There have been companies who have been taking this very seriously and even publish their results on um, on their websites. Um, there's organizations out there. I, I don't want to name anyone in particular, although if you send me a message on Facebook, I can give you a head start as to some companies that are really taking this seriously, who have done the research, who are doing the testing. They might not be using, the, in fact, they're, they're almost certainly not using the method that Ian's about to describe, but they're doing it in other ways to make sure that all of their liquid has either no diacetyl or just tiny trace amounts. There's a lot of companies out there that are doing it. I would say that the vast majority are not, but there are companies that have said, hey, we're taking this problem very seriously. They've done stuff, and they have product that you can get today that you can be extremely confident doesn't have any of this stuff. Just send me a message on Facebook, and I'll point you in the right direction, okay? I will. I'm definitely going to contact you on Facebook. Right on. Thank you. Yep. Cheers. I think I know who that was, but 
I might just be guessing. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, let me take this other call over here, Ian. I think this is uh, I think this is Ed. Ed, that you? Yeah. Hey, yeah, this is Ed Wolf slash Tom Baker, whichever you prefer. What's shaking? Uh, I, I'm, with, I'm trying to figure out some of the things he's saying. Uh, so he's talking about reducing diastole and acetoin, or what? At the end of everything he's doing, uh, Ian, uh, what do you come up with? Okay, so towards the end, it really depends on what we end up with in the final product. So if we end up with somewhere around 1%, we can expect, let's see, around 1.8 parts per million. Are you, are you talking about in the vapor or in the liquid? In the liquid. Because so if, if, if you think about it, the liquid and the vapor are going to be exactly the same. Unless there are chemical processes going on between the points of where it is liquid and vapor, you're going to get the same concentration. So if you go and have 1.8 parts per million in the liquid, you're going to have 1.8 parts per million in the vapor. Yeah, I've seen how Dr. Farsalino does it, and it's not... It's pretty linear, but it's not exactly that. It's a little bit higher in the vapor, and the, and the Neutsch numbers are using um, are using different numbers to indicate. Um, so, but you're you're removing. You're going to have a flavor that has no diastole or AP in it. Is yep. is so it, that or it, you said it, one part? It's not going to have parts. no diastole, but it's going to have in regard to the rest of the industry, much, much, much less. Well, um, according to Dr. F., anything below five parts per million in the liquid is considered zero. Well, then it would be considered zero. <laughs> right. I, mean, I, that's I was where just the going from a off. realistic standpoint as, as considering concentration. <laughs> so it's going to be essentially flavored with acetoin, and there's not yes. going to be any diacetyl or AP in it. Yes, no AP. So if somebody takes I, I have actually found that while butyric acid does not necessarily translate very well for acetoin, it does translate very, very well for uh, acetylpropanol. So if, it, if we have somebody that takes a juice and makes it and just use acetoin and nothing else, even though it might have some small impurities of diastol, how does that taste now? It would taste just fine. Like, it would be as if a liquid containing a flavor that only has acetoin in it because not all flavors come with both acetoin and acetylpropanol, because they are two very distinctly different flavors. 
the acetone is or acetone is very much so more distinct it's richer it's in my opinion it's a bit sweeter um but it bears faint nuances of being creamy but not so much as acetopropanol but like i said that in industry i feel has been completely replaceable with butyric acid or butyric well, acid so there's just there's a couple different tools that the flavor guy has they have uh diastol ap butyric acid and uh acetoin so in your process you're basically left with acetoin so if somebody were well, to just acetone that today, is that going to give people the flavors that they want, or is it just going to be something that they're acetone, not that interested in? Acetoin and butyric acid. What I'm trying to say here is the acetoin is being purified, so you can still use the acetoin with very, very low trace quantities of diacetyl. But the butyric acid, butyric acid, whatever, there's many different synonyms. Um, what it does is definitely more of a more of a substitute for acetylpropanol. So you're still getting the taste from the acetone and and the uh, acetylpropanol, which is not actually there. It's being replaced with butric acid. So the butric acid has essentially completed that. Well, if, if I understand you right, you're, you're saying that uh, the some of the if you have dirty acetone, you're going to have uh, diacetyl inside of it. Yes, but, because but not of how it's being produced. So, so the so the flavor manufacturers can currently just use acetone and butric acid and come up with the flavor that they want, whatever flavor they they want to do, and, and they'll have small traces. But if you look at the testing that's being done, is that they're clearly adding uh, AP into the juice right now. So I'm just trying to figure out, after everything's all done, are, are people going to be happy with the flavors that you're talking about, or is it just going to be essentially a cleaner process of where we're already at? It is not going to be a cleaner process of where we're already at. It's going to be a cleaner process of where we could already be at. Because currently, as it sits, there are plenty of companies that are going using butric acid. Um, butric acid is being used in things like Flavor Art, Capella V2, uh, TFA just went and released a whole different line of DX flavorings, and they're all using butric acid. But a lot of people that are going and replacing these are finding that it's not the same. I've seen many, many companies lose out 
on those customers. In fact, I was just talking with someone not but two days ago saying, hey, do you know how you can make this particular juice? Because they changed the recipe and it does not taste like it used to. And I went and looked on their current site and I saw the the now completely diacetyl free. And so they replaced that flavor with the flavors that have come out that are truly diacetyl free. But you'll find that as you get higher up in the percentages on these to where they would normally typically be at to reach that current flavor and those current nuances that these flavorants are presenting, they aren't they aren't presenting the flavor properly because of the butyric acid. It's or butric acid. Um, yeah, well, I, I'm still uh, confused because you can t- you can have a juice right now that uses acetoin and it uses AP and you've got a good flavor. Um, but you're saying that if you're, you're going to have a cleaner acetoin and you're not going to use AP yes, uh, and you're going to use butric acid, acid. But, but... It's already to, been replaced in many, many, many juices. Okay, but but with if you with your solution, we're at the same place. Not necessarily, because we are removing much of the diacetyl that was there. And well, they, they aren't the using they aren't test, using right? acetoin right now, and that's okay, the problem. If I go back to the if I go back to the suicide bunny test, they're not using diacetyl; they're using AP, and so. They, they don't, you know, this is not going to be a solution to get that flavor again. So this doesn't solve that problem. Um, okay. What I was trying to say earlier is that the, the buttric acid does make a replacement for AP. But it's not to the same ratio that it used to be. So what they're finding is that when they're using these flavors, they're finding that it's not coming out the right way. It's it's not allowing you to reach those same flavor standpoints. Here, let me hold on. Hold on. One, hold, hold on one second. Let, let me ask the question to you this way, Ian. Um, as succinctly as possible, what is the main advantage of the procedure that you recommend over what companies are doing now to get around the problem? The main advantage is that right now, we some companies are using butric acid, and it is not presenting the flavor properly. It's not hitting those rich, buttery notes that people have known to come to love. It's causing them to be driven away to the companies that aren't afraid to use 
these products that are not considered safe. So what this presents is that we can get those buttery notes again and bring the bring the mix back to where it used to be, but in a much safer area because we're going to be using purified acetone and the buttric acid. We're not using AP, we're not using diacetyl, we're ha using acetone with small, small trace, trace amounts and buttric acid. So if you had to sum it up, they can produce the product that has a better flavor with much, much less diacetyl. Otherwise, they'd have to make, they're making product that doesn't taste quite as good, that also doesn't have diacetyl, but doesn't taste as good as they want it or as their customers want it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. How much diacetyl is in acetone right now? Um, the current impurity for for these companies that is regarded as acceptable is anywhere from 7% to 100% impurity, or sorry, 7% impurity to 100% free. So there's the possibility that it would have none, but there's also possibility that it could be the worst case scenario and have 7% of a diacetyl impurity. So if it's 7% and then you uh, mix it into a 30 mil bottle using the flavorings that you need to do, how much parts per million would it be? Oh, boy. Um, let's see. The reason why I'm asking is I think that we already we already have the solution of using acetone and buttered acid right now, and that the amount of diacetyl, if you were to do it currently without any processing, would be pretty low. And when we look at the testing of people like Suicide Bunny, they're not even, to get the flavor that they want, they're not even doing it that way. And, and the reason for that, I'm not, I'm not speaking to that brand, but I'm, I'm speaking in general about e-liquid manufacturers, is they might not be going to that other process because it just doesn't taste as good. So they're, they're going to say, well, we tried, uh, but we are not willing to lose sales, and or, or or maybe they just don't think that this is a problem at all. I mean, you know, a lot. You know, there's people that have that opinion, but you know, there, there's. And the, you know. I mean, we also can't really rely on those test results necessarily because there is that chance that it is a hundred percent free or ninety nine percent free. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just using. Uh, I'm just using a, a, a particular e-liquid that's very popular that there is test yeah. results on, and that test result has no diacetyl, but it has AP. And so with everything that you're doing, at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to duplicate that flavor because you're not going to use AP. Well, but there are also people that do use acetone. So it's all a matter yeah, that's, of that's perspective into where that fits in. 
Right, but I'm just saying for that particular juice, you won't be able to duplicate that flavor. I mean, I don't understand why people are so you know hooked into a certain flavor that they're willing to take risks. But but if somebody wanted this particular flavor that's using AP, they're not. You're not going to be able to duplicate that t- taste. Well, you actually are able to do that using small amounts of acetone and the buttric acid because while buttric acid is not a complete match for AP, it is relatively close. And with small amounts of acetone, you can achieve certain nuances that would normally normally be presented only in AP. Yeah, and so isn't that exactly what Capella V2 and Flavor Art have already done? No, they're using buttric acid, and this, it's honestly not the same flavor if you've ever used it. Um, If you go up above a certain percentage of the material of the flavor, you essentially bring out the worst in buttric acid. It begins to taste like rotten butter and burning plastic a little bit. Okay, I'll push one again if I have another question. Well, yeah, I'm going to bring you, after we're done with the end, we'll, we'll bring you on about the little interview thing you want to talk about. Yeah, but I might have a question okay. this again, but I'll, I'll push one if I need to. Sounds good. All right, so... Listen, this uh, I know a lot of this uh, is probably making a lot of sense to people who have, you know, are the, the manufacturers who are trying to attack this problem than the average vapor. Um, that said, um, the the process that you're suggesting for this is called fractional distillation, right? Yeah. So in the in and please in the in the in the most layman's terms, um, just for the purposes of getting the information out there, and then you know people can contact you. Um, what does it entail? So, uh, just, you know, kind of put it in the perspective of an e-liquid manufacturer. Okay. Here's the process and and here's what you're (laughs) going to, here's what you're going to have to do if you're interested in using this process and making your product. Okay. So fractional distillation, what it does is it is a distillation process in which it separates out chemicals based on their boiling points. So huge difference in boiling points between um, acetoin and diacetyl. Thing is, it's crystalline, and we have to add some kind of a solvent to it in order to get it to get it to boil instead of burn, melt, etc. Um, and also with acetoin having such a high boiling point, it's not going to boil until it reaches that certain point, and it'll eventually just start to burn, and diacetyl will begin to burn, and it just becomes terrible. So you have to use ethyl alcohol in it to... I mean, I'm just going to go and say that it's kind of like liberating the molecules from each other. All right. So... You're using a high 
amount of ethyl alcohol. And the reason why I chose ethyl alcohol is because it has no taste and it has a boiling point that is extremely, extremely close to diacetyl. So what happens when you add these into a mix, or not into a mix, into the boiling flask, is it brings the boiling point of the entire boiling flask down to the point of just above ethyl alcohol and right around where diacetyl is. So as you're going and boiling this, these molecules are being evaporated up. And what you have on top is something called a fractional, fractionating column. And this is basically just a giant condenser. So these molecules come up and they find the cold glass. They condense there. But these molecules that are actually at the vapor point already with inside that, that uh, column will keep on vaporizing, condensing, vaporizing, condensing, whereas the molecules that do not have that, um, oh, what's the word for it? that vapor point will reflux back down into the boiling flask. So it'll keep the acetoin molecules coming back into the boiling flask. And so you're, you're not losing a whole lot of material um, in terms of acetoin, but you are in terms of diacetyl and ethyl alcohol which is why I chose ethyl alcohol as the solvent. Right. As go and vaporize both those at the same time. And, I mean, it is known to be in flavor, so we know it's not as harmful as we may think. <laughs> okay. So and here's what I'm going to suggest at this point. Now, like I said before, uh, Ian is if, if if nobody sends Ian an email or, or whatever, he's just going to go ahead and do this. He's going to experiment on this, and I say that's great. You've got an idea. It may. I mean, it sounds. Listen, I'm no chemist. I don't. I have no fucking idea if it's going to work or not. But hey, listen. Not you, you're going to do it one way or the other. You're going to try it. You're going to experiment, and that's that's a great thing. This might be something. If it works, is going to be real useful to people, and you're just going to go and do it, and that's great. Uh, best of luck to you. Um, that said, Thank you. yeah. That said, um, there's a lot of smart people out there who are probably listening, way way smarter than me, uh, who have a vested interest in this sort of thing. So maybe it's a good idea if you're in the e-liquid business. If you're in the e-liquid, maybe it's a good idea to chat with Ian. I don't see what harm it could do. Um, what is the best way for somebody to contact you, Ian? Uh, the best way to contact me is simply over my Facebook. I'm on it every day. I keep up to date with people. Um, I'm constantly being tagged for questions and all that. Um, 
you guys can add me or get a hold of me at Ian Mad Chemist Right. Okay, and I put the link there for your uh, for your Facebook in the chat. I'll certainly include it in the uh, thank you in the replay notes. Get, you know, get a hold. Of this this kid's trying to do something here, so you know, help him out. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's going to be good for everybody. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, who knows? This might change everything. Thank you. All right, cheers. There he goes, everybody. Ian Wright. Have a nice one, man. Yeah, cheers. Thanks so much. I like that kid. All right, hey, uh, so I want to talk about this, uh, all this Rip Trippers and uh, Twisted 420 fucking nonsense. Before I do that, let me, because um, Ed's already on. The, oh, I already have you unmuted. You're still there, Ed? Yes. Yeah, it turned out I never unmuted you. Okay, fine. So so you were, uh, I, I was listening to uh, to Kevin's last show. And you were talking about some stuff and then you, you know, just kind of out of nowhere, you said, Hey, I want to do a show where I interview Kevin. And Kevin was like, well, nobody's going to want to hear that. But he did agree to do it. If he got 20 emails from people who want to hear that. Now I want to hear that. Um, I think it would be interesting. I think it would be funny. I did. I did that with Kevin once a while ago, but you know, honestly, I didn't really know him that well. I think it, I think it would be funny. Um, I think it could be fun. So 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 what do we have to do? Yeah, my browser just crashed. But if Kevin gets uh, if he gets um, twenty emails, then he will agree to do it. Um, so if uh, and his email address is if he gets twenty emails, he'll allow me to interview him on his own show. Um, so. Uh, his email is kevin at vplivenetworknospaces.com. And um, he just needs uh, 20 people to email him, and uh, we'll get to find out all about Kevin. Well, there you go. There's the there's the email address, kevin at vplivenetwork.com. I don't think it'll be too tough. We could probably do it tonight. If you're interested in hearing that interview, Kevin, that's all you got to do. Send Kevin an email, kevin at vplivenetwork.com. Just put, like, in the subject, I want to hear Ed interview Kevin. And that should do it, right? Great. Thanks. Thank you. Look forward to that. Send an email. So at first, when, first of all, let's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the worst person to have any kind of a, opinion on, on how people do YouTube reviews for vaping because I never watch any of them. When I want to buy a product, when I'm interested in something, I hear about something, I talk to people, you know? I, I know a bunch of people who work at vape shops and just say, hey, you guys get this thing in? What's the deal? How do you like it? How do the customers like You know, I talk to, I don't watch YouTube reviews at all, period. Nobody's, I, I now, when I started, it's all I did. I mean, for the first six months, it's all, all I just watched review after review and bought thing after thing and, um... And, and you know, and I realize it's the it's the most popular way that people uh, learn about vaping. It's just not something that's for me. So I don't I don't know these these people. I don't know their reviewing style. I don't know what they review. I don't know how many subscribers they have. I, I don't I don't know any of that because it's not important to me in any way, shape, or form. So when I heard about that, there's this thing that Twisted Four Twenty vaping with Twisted Twisted Four Twenty. He's going to have this. He's going to break this huge news that Rip Trippers is taking money to write 
to to do positive reviews, my um, reaction was, who gives a shit? Who gives a fuck? Certainly not me. And I didn't plan on talking about it at all. Um, but what happened is actually interesting. Um, now, first of all, what are we talking about, really? Why was this interesting to anyone in the first place? Well, it is interesting if there is a reviewer and he's saying, I don't take any money for talking about stuff. I just review products and talk about them honestly. Now, if that's the claim and it turns out that, well, the reality is, now, if this is the case, if the reality is that that statement is not true, but rather you must pay them, say a thousand dollars, whatever the number is, you must pay, you must pay this person in order to get a review done at all. Or when you pay them, you get a more positive review. But that fact is being concealed. That is interesting because, you know, if people are using this YouTube channel to make decision processes and they don't know of that fact, well, maybe they wouldn't watch them, you know, and, and, and maybe there's something immoral about that. Maybe there's something illegal about it. I have no fucking idea about that. Maybe, maybe not, but it would be interesting, right? People should know about that kind of thing. Now, let's take the flip side of it. Let's say there's a YouTube reviewer out there who is saying up front, saying, listen, I spend a lot of time on my videos, um, a lot of money in this equipment here, so I'll review stuff, but you have to pay me to do it, but they're upfront about it, then it's a non-issue. As long as they say it, you know, hey, listen, I review stuff, you pay me, I review it, or whatever it is. As long as there's disclosure, then who cares? Then you can say, well, okay, well, that's not my kind of thing, or, oh, well, you know, maybe that's worth it, whatever. The issue was, for those who care, that there's a popular reviewer and there is an allegation that there is, in order to get a review, you need to pay him money for it. And he is stating explicitly that he doesn't do that, that I, I don't take money to review anything. So, okay. Um, where The way this, it became interesting is, to me, has nothing to do with YouTube reviewing or even vaping. It was just a self-imploding circle jerk that never should have happened if one were to just observe the first rule of journalism, because that's ultimately what this is about. This isn't, this is about journalism. It's not about vaping. I mean, it is, but you understand what I'm saying. When you're going to break a story, you got to get your shit straight. And then there's the issue of who you are as the messenger. So here's where it all kind of went awry, is that made this big announcement, everybody noticed, right? Oh my God, this guy, this, this Rip Trippers, he's making, he's taking money and, right, and doing positive reviews and he's telling everybody that he doesn't do that. Okay, so that's interesting to a lot of people, right? It says, I'll have the proof, I have irrefutable proof of this and I'll give it to you in 48 hours or whatever. All right, that's, that's kind of the first mistake Although you could do that, I guess, if you're trying to build hype and build, fine. I, I would argue just, you know, put it out there right off the bat. Don't wait 20, you know, wait two days for a fucking video. Just lay it out there however you want to do it right off the bat and 
you know, walk away and watch things burn. But that's but but what happened was, and and here and here's where the the first rule of journalism was was broken. He had a source. So it's the four twenty. He had a source for all of this stuff, right? Said, I know about this because of this company here, this Cloud Chasers Incorporated. Who they are, what they do, I have no fucking idea. But I know what they said. So that's his source, right? So after you make this video, which I'll get to that in a second, after you get this video, he said, All right, here's, the, here's the screenshots and here's the source. What does the source say? He basically walks away from it. He says, this is... Well, th th we got, th that's not true. None of the, basically, basically didn't back him up at all. Now, there could be reasons for that. Doesn't matter what the reasons are. Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say it's true. What they're, they're, they're putting the facts out there that this should, that, no, that this is not a representation of the company. The source didn't back up the story at all. The first rule in journalism the first rule of breaking a story is as follows. If your mother tells you that she loves you, get another source. Don't get caught standing there in the middle of everything with your fucking dick in your hand because you didn't follow the first most basic rule of breaking a story. I cannot tell you how many times per week People come to me with stories that are crazy shit. What do I do? I ask for a source. I ask for proof. 95% of those stories never make it to air because they don't pass the test. I got people telling me, this brick and mortar is doing crazy shit. You should see what they're doing. I said, okay, get a camera. Go to the store. Get me some proof. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they go there they, and they send it to me and they, and I say, but the, this isn't what you said. This is something totally different. I can't use this. And they're fucking scratching their head. If you got a source and if you, if you only got one, which is the first problem, you only got one, you better fucking believe, you better make sure they're going to have your back. So what happened here? It's. You know, it's sad because this guy, I've only talked to him a couple times. This Twisted 420 guy seems like a nice, chuggly guy. Seems like a nice, friendly guy doing these fun videos. That shit he did with a Merivate, man, that, that had me go. I love that. I like this guy. Rip Trippers, I don't know from a hole in the wall. I watched one, I, I will say this, I, I've watched exactly, well, now two. I've watched one of his videos, which was very helpful to me. He taught me how to build a microcoil. That's the, you know, I Googled how to build a microcoil. It came up, I watched it. That kind of got me going with rebuilding, so that was nice. Um, but other than that, I, I, you know, could barely pick him out of a lineup. So I, I don't, I don't really have a dog in the race in this thing. But all I know is, like, this guy. When you do that, when you call someone out in public like that, and then you make a this this video was was ridiculous. Ten minutes of rambling of. Oh, I don't know. I could be full of shit. I think so. This person said this. Let me put up these four screenshots where you want to read them. You got to pause the video five times. while you, It's ridiculous. When you want to get the facts out there, you do it in two minutes and you state everything explicitly. Fact number one, this person did this. 
Here's the proof. Fact number two, the person that did this, you, you, you lay it out in bullet points. Bang, bang, bang. Two minutes over, done. And that's all you need to do. This, this, this I never seen anything like this before. He didn't say it. He didn't say anything. He didn't say a goddamn thing. And then after he didn't say a goddamn thing, his source comes out and says, "We got nothing to do with this fucking shit. That's not what happened at all. Nobody paid for shit. G uh, goodbye." So you got <laughs> it's just fucking crazy. And he put the shit. It's it's a and it's, so here's here's what happened. And the blow up was was crazy. When the shit, you know, when most of it took place on Reddit, and now you had, it's it's quite obvious, thousands of people who really liked this guy, really liked watching his videos. After all this shit, they hate his guts. Oh, and I didn't even bring up, listen, this is about one thing, right? One thing. Supposedly, this guy, he's taking money to write good reviews. Okay, so that's the issue, right? Why are like 800 other things that have no relevance at all to this being discussed? Well, how does he have so many subscribers? Who cares? What does that have to do with taking money? Who cares how many subscribers he has? Who cares how he got them? Who gives a shit? Oh, he never goes to vape meets and he never answers emails. So what? What does that have to do with the... You want to break a story and make it one thing. Here's the issue. Here's the facts. Here's the proof. What I was expecting from this from this video, I don't know, if it was me, someone comes to me, says this exact thing. This guy, he's taking money to, to do this. You know what I say? First thing, show me the money. Show me the check. Show me the PayPal transaction. Show me the email. Show me the money. In fact, in this case, there was no money. It never happened. And it, and, and, and it wasn't even about, it was it's fucking crazy. You crazy fucking bastard. What the fuck are you doing? And here's where it gets sad. Stand by one moment. Okay, I, I listen. I, I'm not going to name names. I just got a message from someone who I got a lot of respect for, um, who frankly I, I frankly trust with my life. Said, I, I've been back and forth with Virtrip. He, he reviewed a product. He never money never came up. Okay, so whatever. That that the, whether or not it happens or not, I don't I don't give a shit. We're we're talking about journalism really right now. Now here's where it got really fucked up, and I don't know whether or not to feel bad about this or not. I do feel I I. Listen, I give people the benefit of the doubt, right? This twisted guy sounds like a, it seems like a real nice guy. I don't know. If I had bumped into him at a vape me, I'd be like, hey, man, I like you. Let me, let me buy you, a, let me buy you a beer or something like that. I don't know. Just seems like a likable guy. So what happens after all these thousands of people who once liked this guy, now they're fucking pissed off at him? What do they do? Well, it's real easy on Google, put in somebody's name, find out lots of shit about them. And this poor guy, now there are, they're everywhere, all over these, all over these threads, there's people posting this guy's criminal history. 
Now, listen, I I wouldn't even bring it up if you know you get you get busted for pot or something like that. I don't know, parking tickets. What? What? Who gives a shit, right? Shit, man. If you went to jail for you know I don't know trafficking cocaine or something like that, I'd I'd, I'd say fuck. We gotta get this guy to jail because all this shit should be legal anyway. But there wasn't that. This guy has some rap sheet. Aggravated assault. I, I mean, aggravated burglary. So, like violent crimes. Been to jail a lot. Now, listen, I really want to give the benefit of the doubt because people can do bad things. And these are bad things. We're talking about violent crime here, okay? We're talking about felony. And I'm not talking about arrested for. I'm talking convicted for, went to jail for violent crimes. Can people turn their life around? Turn over a new leaf, start over. Yes, absolutely. Here's the problem. I don't know him. How could I not, and how could thousands of people, it doesn't matter what the fuck I think. How could they not think of him differently for that? So you're, if you're going to, if you're going to be, throwing bombs like this, if you're going to be, you know, doing all this shit and then you don't have anything and people can, they're going to, they're going to dig up your past. They're going to put it all over the place. This is just like for anybody who's looking to coming from a guy who is me, who has slung a lot of shit. You cover your bases, you check your sources and you know who you are, what you've done and where you've been before you start throwing rocks at people because they're, they're going to go looking. You better be real fucking comfortable. Unless you don't give a shit. Listen, if I had a record like that, would I be concerned about it getting out? Of course I would. I don't want, luckily I don't, but but you don't want people, because what do you think is going to happen? They're going to think, who who is this guy? How could you not think differently about somebody with that kind of a rap sheet? And it never would have happened if he, had, if he had at least just got the fucking story straight, had a fucking source that was reliable, preferably three, paper trail, evidence. He didn't have any of that. It was just it was just lighting a fire and walking away and watching it burn. Well, fire went the other way. If your mother tells you that she loves you, get another source. Let's learn how to break a fucking story, man. This is bullshit. And here's the sad thing. Is that like, not everybody's, I'm surprised I paid attention, this much attention to it. But most people, you look at, look at if you look at his, um, his Facebook or the, most of the comments on his YouTube channel, I mean, obviously, because he can moderate that. So it's people saying, oh, I knew Rip Trippers was a piece of shit all along. Listen, I don't know what the fuck Rip, Rip Trippers is doing one way or the other. But there is clearly no evidence of wrongdoing here. So he just lit this fire and you got all these people think this guy, this guy's fucking garbage, but there's no evidence that they just believe him because people are idiots. People don't, people, they don't do the research. They don't, they, they say, oh, well, the, the, I like this guy. He says, this guy's bad. That guy's bad. Uh, what's on TV? It's not fair. It is not fair. What he should have done is when he realized that if I, I would think at some point, his source told him, listen, I'm not backing you up on this shit because it's, it's not true or whatever. That's the opportunity. There was an opportunity right there. Instead of making that fucking Mishigas video all over the place. Oh, I don't know this, that. 
oh, here's here's some screenshots. And didn't say a fucking thing in 10 minutes. There was an opportunity to write there say, hey, listen, I looked into this a little bit more. I made a mistake. I jumped the gun. I shouldn't have done that. After looking into this a little bit more, it looks like there was some miscommunication and I'm going to take responsibility for that and I'm sorry. The result of that would have been nobody would have, nobody would, hey, listen, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody. At that point, everyone would have been like, hey, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for looking into this. Thank you for, for, for actually properly researching it. You made a mistake. You know what, man? No problem. Now, what did Rip Trippers do on the other hand? Well, he read from the right book. He made a video. Boom. Two minutes. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do the other thing. If you got any questions, email me because there's some other motherfuckers impersonating me out there. So I don't know who the fuck. It, he doesn't curse like I do. But, but hey, listen, I don't do any of this shit. Thank you very much. And here's an atomizer. You know, I never watched one of his videos before except that how to build a microcoil. So after he did this, this two-minute thing of basically clearly, poignantly, succinctly pointing out all these, I don't do any of this stuff. There's no evidence of it. You got you got something. Then he starts talking about there's rebuildable that I don't care about. I'm just like, hey, this guy's actually pretty good at it. And he's a little, little out there, but he's going through this atomizer. It's, like I said, I don't watch a lot of reviews, but it was pretty good. I'm just like, hmm, all right. I don't really care about this product, but the guy breaks it down pretty good. It's fast. Not bad. And I think that probably a lot of other people, and, and, and that doesn't matter, but a lot of people probably had the same kind of thing. Like I had a no um, opinion whatsoever on this Rip Trippers guy. I had a high, slightly, you know, a good opinion of this twisted guy. And now it's completely, you know, the opposite. I'm sure thousands of people have the same thing. Just check your fucking, just check your story. Any, anybody, anything, any subject, check your sources, get your facts, get your evidence, and then go. Don't just flop around like a, oh, it's, it was just, it's so painful. So, so painful. Hmm. They got brains like Goyam. <laughs> now speak, now I got to make a full disclosure here. Speaking of taking money to do shit, to do a show. I'm getting paid big time. Big time by a major corporation for doing advertising on the show starting now. Starting now. I have got a sponsor. I'm talking that this is a big company here. Now, I had this set up by my, um, you know, I used to have a, um, you know, a marketing director. I don't know, for those of you who've been listening a long time, you might remember Denise. Now, she set up some deals for me in the past that didn't pan out, but this one, this one, I think I'm pretty good to go. So let me just get the copy. All right. It's winter time. It's cold outside. Everyone loves a hearty beef stew on a cold winter's night. But who has the time? We're all busy these days, and sometimes you just want a hearty meal without all the fuss. Dinty Moore Beef Stew made by Hormel Foods. In just four minutes, 
you could be relaxing by the fire, enjoying delicious beef, thick-cut carrots, hearty potatoes, with just a hint of mushroom flavor. Dinty more, hearty meals, no preservatives, no additives, just good home-style cooking beef stew. Now, then you can get Dinty Moore beef stew in a 20-ounce can, a 20-ounce 20 20 can. Now, you'll notice when you look at the serving size, that's supposed to be two and a half servings. Fuck that. That's one meal. One meal for a man. Dinty Moore hearty beef stew is not for fat. What? What does that say? It's not for fat. I'm not going to read that. What kind of company is this? Denise, is this the real fucking copy? It's, it, it, it breaks into some... Why don't why would gay people not like a hearty stew? Oh, and then it goes on. Now it's talking about how lesbians do. You know, I eat this shit. Forget it. I'm throwing away the contract. This company, I'm still going to buy it. It's good stew. I don't want nothing to do with this. I need a new sponsor, everybody. Dinty Moore didn't stand out. Didn't, 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 didn't hold up. Hey, speaking of, I got an email. This is, this is crazy. So somebody sent me an email, said, and I didn't even believe it when I got it. It said, Suicide Bunny has a new liquid. Well, that, that's not actually what the email said. The email, the email, I should have had it, said, Russ, check this out. Suicide Bunny is selling old stock of mother's milk for $120 per 60 milliliters. That's what he said. So I'm like, that, that, that can't be true. So I go and I look into it. And so it is, I mean, the one thing that it is, it is $120 for 60 mil, right? And I'm like, what is he talking about with this this old stuff? Now, I don't know if that's true. Now, now what, the, what it says on the thing is that this has been steeped for six months. So I get where he's, listen, I don't know if that's true or not. If you believe them, let's give benefit of the doubt. Anybody gets the benefit of the doubt, from, you know. So they're, they're steeping this for six months. Okay. What this guy thinks is that they just have a ton of product on the shelf, so they're going to put it in another bottle and sell for, for twice the amount. Listen, you might expect that I'm going to come out like against this in some way or I'm going to give the company shit. It's quite the opposite. This is brilliant. And honestly, I salute the company for doing this, and here's why. First of all, let me tell you a little a little story about sales marketing. There's this famous uh, famous lesson that's taught in, in sales. There was a guy made uh, sold jewelry, right? He has a jewelry store, and he's got these bracelets, and you know he's had them for a while. They're just not selling, so he leaves a note for his sales uh, for his sales for his floor salesperson, and he t tells the salesperson he says, you know take these bracelets and mark them at half off for tomorrow. Okay. So he leaves a note. He comes back in the next day, comes back in around lunchtime. All the bracelets are gone. 
He's like, where are, where are the bracelets? It's like, she's like, we sold them all. He's like, oh, that's fantastic. It's like, okay, that's great. Didn't think much of anything. Then at the end of the day, the register has way too much money in it. It's, it, it's, it doesn't make sense for the sales that are registered. It doesn't make money. He's like, what's, what's going on here? He's, she's like, no, it all tallies up. He's like, I thought I, I told you to take those bracelets and mark them down half off. She didn't read it right. She doubled the price. And suddenly this item that's doubled in price, people saw it. Somehow people came in and they saw it. It's got more value to them in some way. Same product, double the price becomes more attractive. I say that particularly in this industry, there are stupid people out there. Tons of stupid people. And what I say, fuck them. Fleece the meek. What's even better is these, these stupid people happen to be drug addicts, right? Someone's going to take their money. Might as well be you. And you might as well do it quickly. I say, fuck it. Go for it. I see no problem with this at all. Because honestly, you know who it's going to be? It's going to be the fanboys. There is nobody who has never bought Suicide Bunny in the past that, well, they're not going to suddenly go buying fucking $120 for 60 mil. Nobody pays that price for any e-liquid, period. That's the, in, in, in case I'm missing something, this is the most expensive e-liquid that's ever been put on the market. No new customers are going to buy this. It's for the existing fanboys. I say, Mazel tov. Bravo. Rape your existing user base. Rape your existing customer base. Rape the fanboys. Oh, and it's so deep. I love it. By the way, I have, just so happen to have, some Boba's Bounty. Four years old. I just discovered it. It's, it's closer to five. It's like four and a half years old. Boba's Bounty. Used to vape that, sh that shit by the metric ton when I was when I started, right? I will sell you, if you want, I will sell you. I got 30 mils here. 30 mils, I'll give it to you for 99.99, 100 bucks, okay? Now, when I bought it, it was 24 milligram nicotine. But by now, the nicotine has definitely deteriorated significantly, so I'm guessing it's around seven, six or seven milligram by now. So, um... You want this? Should you, you you can make payment to me online. That would be uh, 0.42 bitcoins, or if you want to do it in person, I'll take eight ounces of silver bullion. Right? <laughs> I just see this. I love it. I really do. I love it. I, I maybe I'm sadistic that I love to see the stupid get You know, maybe, but. I guess it's okay to laugh at it. It's different than doing it. I don't know. I enjoy it. Semicolon. In an odd way. Period. 